Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Emotion from the elders who had gathered and focused on the face of Anthony Albanese after months of discussion, deliberation and debate, tonight, at last, a date. Today I announce that referendum day will be the 14th of October. Well, hello and thanks for your company. A big show today with lots of guests and, and lots of to unpack in what's been a big week of politics, as you've seen with the big announcement about The Voice. It's also a big weekend for the Family First Party with our first national conference since the party was re-established two years ago. More than 100 delegates will gather in Chatswood here in Sydney to discuss the issues that have been abandoned by our political class. Things like marriage policy, the truth about gender, human rights for the unborn, realism on energy policy and how we can properly tackle the cost of living crisis plus much more. I'm going to be giving a call to arms drawing parallels between the American Revolution and why we need a non-violent uh, a non-violent, but nonetheless a rebellion against our political class because they are taking our nation in the wrong direction. We're building a new political party because the political establishment has become an instrument of child harm. The political establishment has become an instrument of the erosion of freedom of speech and freedom of religion. And it's become an instrument of economic oppression, risking our prosperity and our freedoms. We're privileged to have an incredible lineup of speakers, including former Deputy Prime Minister John Anderson, the Deputy Director of the Institute for Public Affairs, Daniel Wild, Centre for Independent Studies commentator and researcher Elizabeth Taylor, Dr Elizabeth Taylor, I should say, and former Labor Treasurer of South Australia, Jack Snelling, plus a whole host of others. It's going to be an amazing day. Now, tickets will still be on sale until uh, early this evening. If you'd like to come, go to familyfirstparty.org.au and register now. If you can't get to Chatswood, don't despair. ADH TV, Australia's leading uh, voice for political common sense, will be live streaming the event from tomorrow at 9am. Just go to the ADH TV website and download the app. 
Thanks to CEO Jack Bulfin for making this incredible service available. As I said, a big show today with Kiralee Smith joining me to talk about Julia Gillard's inability to answer a simple question. Also, Channel 7 has suddenly discovered the medical scandal of our age. We've been talking about it for a long time. Uh, Kiralee and I will unpack that. Bernie Finn joins me from the failed state of Victoria. I'll talk to Jodie Picard about this month's Marches for Life to show resistance resistance to the killing of unborn babies. Uh, those marches will be in Adelaide and Sydney. We'll talk about that. Also, uh, I'm going to have a very special guest, uh, first time on The Lyle Shelton Show, and that's my friend Alexandra Marshall from Spectator TV, fellow ADH TV host and also the editor of The Spectator's Flat White website. You won't want to miss her sharp analysis. So settle in and whatever you do, don't touch that dial. Now on Wednesday, the Prime Minister Anthony Albanese announced that the referendum to decide if we insert a new chapter into the Constitution to give one race rights that no other Australians have will be held on Saturday, October 14. Uh, Albanese keeps saying it is a simple proposal. Now, remember the last time we had a national poll or plebiscite on something that was supposedly a simple proposal with no consequences to anyone else's lives? I remember it. That's why my ears pricked up earlier in the week when the Prime Minister likened constitutional change for a race-based voice to the change that was made in 2017 to the Marriage Act. Now, Albanese is right to draw the comparison, but not for the reasons he does. Albanese asserts there were no consequences to degendering marriage, and similarly, there will be no consequences to changing the nation's rule book based on race. That's because Albanese and Yes23 have reached for the same playbook they used in 2017. In a radio interview this week, the PM said this. Uh, think about marriage equality, mm -hmm. where people mm -hmm. said, oh, it'll ruin straight marriages. It Guess was... what? It didn't. No. Mm. Now, no one at the time said that redefining marriage would ruin straight marriages. That claim just simply wasn't wasn't made. But as someone involved in the last national no campaign, we did make it clear that everyone's lives would change if gender became no longer relevant to marriage. This has especially been borne out in the lives of young girls who may aspire to play soccer or any other sport for that matter for Australia. They are no longer guaranteed sport free of unfair competition from biological males. Since gender diversity was erased from being essential to marriage, LGBTIQA plus political activists have been working overtime to erase women and girls as a biological category. Chest feeders and birthing parents have been replaced, have replaced breastfeeding and mothers. Their children are being groomed in our schools to believe their gender is fluid, putting them on pathways to gender conversion therapies that make them sterile and leave them mutilated. Christian schools are fighting for their very existence against political activists and law reform commissions run by the government that are hell-bent on making them bow to new laws on marriage and gender which contravene their faith. Even our diggers are being forced to comply with wear it purple directives instead of focusing on defending our nation. Anyone who works for a government bureaucracy or a woke corporation is under forced speech requirements regarding pronouns, regardless of whether those pronouns are congruent with biological reality. I could go on. So no, Albo, 
you are quite wrong. Everyone's lives did change when so-called marriage equality became law. The similarities with the Voice Yes campaign and the 2017 same-sex marriage Yes campaign are striking. Both are trying to persuade people to vote yes based on a vibe, on love, on generosity, on doing the right thing. The message was clear in 2017, vote no, you are a homophobe. In 2023, vote no, you are a racist. It suits their campaign to keep it simple and not focus on the detail. It's easier to achieve change through a sleight of hand rather than telling people their kids will be indoctrinated into queer theory at school. During the marriage plebiscite, we were told the parliament would protect our freedoms, but it didn't. And people like me have faced lawsuits dragging on for years, costing hundreds of thousands of dollars, simply for speaking the truth about gender. The Noosa-based Indigenous leader, Noel Pearson, says detail is up to the parliament. But in the case of a constitutionally enshrined voice, how that detail is interpreted will be up to the High Court. Get ready for lawfare from angry activists if politicians or bureaucrats disagree with the voice. This is no modest proposal. The same-sex marriage activist did a better job of keeping their radicals like Rodney Croom. Remember him? He was the one who said it was a good thing that Archbishop Julian Porteous in Tasmania was taken to the Human Rights Commission for uh, teaching Catholics, Catholic teaching on marriage. Well, Croom was basically locked up in a basement during the 2017 marriage plebiscite. They wouldn't let him out. Uh, although the ABC's Benjamin Law did pop up towards the end of the campaign prophesying that same-sex marriage was not the final frontier, which of course has been proven right in spades. Ask anyone who's got kids in school. It's a measure of how emboldened though that the radical left in 2023 haven't even bothered trying to sideline their radicals. Self-declared communist Thomas Mayo, who we featured on this program before, remains a board member of the official Yes campaign, Yes 23, and he's been widely praised by Anthony Albanese. This is despite Mayo asserting that the voice is about treaty, that it's about reparations, that it's about punishing politicians who don't obey the voice. The PM has been forced to contradict Mayo. It's not about treaty, Albo had to tell 2GB's Ben Fordham four times, but Mayo remains at the heart of the campaign. The only person denying the voice is about treaty and reparations is the Prime Minister. Now, this is 2017 all over again. The same vibe, the same lies are being told often by the same people. Well, an anti-child, anti-woman and anti-freedom bill was introduced into the New South Wales Parliament last week. Children, women and essential freedoms will be immeasurably harmed if New South Wales politicians vote for the homosexual activist and independent MP Alex Greenwich's so-called gay conversion therapy bill. In true Orwellian fashion, the Equality Legislation Amendment, in brackets LGBTIQA+, Bill 2023 has nothing to do with equality, but everything to do with enforcing, with the threat of fines and jail, a new and dangerous sexual and gender ideology. It seeks to ban the conversion of same-sex attracted people, about which no one disagrees, but is a Trojan horse 
for much more. It will force the acceptance and celebration of the conversion of children to their opposite gender using experimental and harmful treatments such as puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and even surgery. This is the irony. In banning so-called gay conversion therapy, it mandates the gender conversion therapy of even little children. Greenwich says his bill is modelled on the Victorian Change and Suppression Act, which jails parents who seek to counsel their own children to stay away from child gender clinics, which chemically and physically castrate and mutilate children and young people. Doctors, psychologists, priests, pastors and counsellors could also be jailed if they fail to affirm even a child's desire to change gender. Now, sadly, in Victoria, most of the Liberals supported this legislation when it went through the Parliament, and the Liberals took support of this Change and Suppression Act to last November's election. So it's it's bipartisan in Victoria. So far, here in New South Wales, the Liberals have been silent about Greenwich's bill. But Greenwich's bill does much more than seeking to protect vulnerable gay people from uh, people trying to coerce them into changing their sexual orientation. It strays into seemingly unrelated territory, removing even the ban on commercial surrogacy. Now, why is that in the legislation? This, of course, was one of the key agendas of the same-sex marriage lobby. You see, same-sex marriage activists like the former Liberal MP, Tim Wilson argued uh, when he was a human rights commissioner that marriage equality could never be realised unless two men had access to a commercial market in babies and a rental market of women's wombs to overcome their inability to create children like mothers and fathers do. Greenwich seeks to make good on this anti-woman and anti-child agenda by rolling it into his gay conversion therapy bill. And bizarrely, The bill also seeks to decriminalise so-called sex work, which commodifies the violent exploitation of mainly young women's bodies at a time when progressive countries are cracking down on the purchase of women for sex. Again, what has prostitution reform got to do with gay conversion? It's just a whole sexual mishmash of things all thrown into an omnibus bill. The bill would allow anyone over the age of 16 uh, the right to gender self-identity without sorry, gender self-identify without even sex change surgery. A person who is 16 and over would be able to alter their record of sex through the register with a declaration and statement from an adult who has known them for at least 12 months. For persons under 16 they have the, who have the support of both parents or a sole parent, the parents can, that the parents or parent can apply to the register with documents demonstrating that the child consents and has undergone counselling. These provisions are consistent with legislation that has recently passed the Queensland Parliament. So you can see these laws are working their way around the country. Now, it all sounds inane when read out in legal speak in Parliament, but the consequences are dire for little girls and women in particular. This will make girls and women unsafe by giving a leave pass to intact biological males to enter girls' and women's private spaces such as toilets and change rooms. It will wreck girls' and women's sport. The legislation will ban praying for someone who has unwanted same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria, even if the person with those conditions asks for prayer. What business has the government in telling people what they can and can't ask for in prayer? Now, before 
the New South Wales uh, election last March, Chris Minns, who is now the Premier, promised not to outlaw prayer or preaching of religious views on homosexuality. Family First, uh, the political party that I'm a part of, we are for the truth about gender. We're for the right of children wherever possible to experience the love of their mother and father and the protection. And we're for the protection of girls and women from violent sexual exploitation. Family First cannot support the gender conversion of children, surrogacy, and legalizing the exploitation of women through prostitution. This anti-free speech and anti-freedom of religion bill of Greenwich's is a violation of essential freedoms that we used to take for granted in civil society. Apart from the decriminalization of the killing of unborn babies to birth and euthanasia, which both occurred recently under the former Liberals national government, this is arguably the most dangerous piece of legislation to be tabled in the New South Wales Parliament ever. Well, our regular commentator on the LGBTIQA plus's political movements, war against girls, women and children, Kiralee Smith from Binary Australia joins me today from Perth. Kiralee, welcome. Thanks for having me, Lyle. Kiralee, I've just uh, given my take on Alex Greenwich's so-called conversion therapy bill. It's actually a gender conversion therapy bill. I know you share my concerns, but I'm keen for you to tell our audience uh, your analysis of this terrible piece of legislation that's just dropped into the New South Wales Parliament. Look, it's horrifying and well said, Lyle. I agree with your comments. And, uh, you know, a big point here too is the conflation of sexual orientation with sexual identity. Like, first of all, they're both sexual. Um, They're being aimed at children. Uh, Orientation relies on biology, whereas identity denies biology. And that's a really big point. So putting both of these things in the same bill under the same law is utterly ridiculous and uh, a slap in the face to you know, everyone, basically, it's an insult to our intelligence. But the the harm and the danger that this bill presents to women and girls is beyond our comprehension. Uh, Self-identification means that men can just access any female space that they like and that we cannot oppose it. We will, you know, we'll see further lawsuits like the one that I'm in at the moment uh, for women who oppose it. Uh, Women, vulnerable women in jails, in rape crisis centres and other really uh, vulnerable positions are going to be so much more marginalised and put at risk. And the horrors that will be done to children is unimaginable. It is not appropriate to stop puberty. Puberty is a natural process that every single human being has to go through. And this bill is targeting that and will do irreversible harm to our young people. Yeah, absolutely. We just got to keep saying these things. I noticed, Kiralee, um, friends like uh, Catherine Deves and Rachel Wong from Women's Forum Australia are calling Alex Greenwich's bill a misogyny bill. And I I think they're right. 100%, and that does need to be called out, and it's based on lies. There's uh, complete and utter lies in the bill. No one can change their sex, and the only conversion attempts going on are by people like Alex Greenwich, who will fail because no one can convert their sex to another sex, but uh, it's it's all lies, deception, and misogyny, 100%. Yeah. Now, now, um, (laughs) speaking of someone who gave a speech which is uh, famous for being the misogyny speech, uh, our first woman Prime Minister, Julia Gillard, she's having trouble with the definition of woman. Take a look. Hello, my name is Biddy O'Loughlin. Thank you for holding this event. What is a woman? And do you agree with Queensland's 
Attorney General Minister for Women Sharon Fentiman that trans women are women, and with the UK's leader of the Labor Party, Sir Keir Starmer, that some women have a penis. Look, I am um, very happy to answer your question, but I, I do worry that, and, and I, I should just say, I um, spend around half of each year in the UK. And in the UK, this has turned into a kind of got you parlour game. So if you're listening to the radio, um, you, you literally, there'll be some person on there from London City Council who's trying to tell you why the traffic's not going to flow well that day. Um, and the journal will be saying, and can you tell me what a woman is um, to try and create these gotcha moments? Uh, she's floundering. Uh, <laughs> what's the problem there, Kiralee? <laughs> it's torturous oh watching goodness, that, isn't painful. it? It's, it's painful and fun all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how can you say this? So, um, you know, she, she called Tony Abbott a misogynist yeah. and that's hatred against women. How, she, how can she, you know, claim that if she doesn't even know what a woman is exactly. to start with? Yeah. You know, she's ridden this wave of the first female prime minister. She knows exactly what a woman is. Yeah. But, you know, she's responsible for the problems that we have. She created a moment in Australian history where she removed protections for sex-based realities and rights by removing the definitions of male and female from the Sex Discrimination Act. So this is all on her head and she knows it and she doesn't want to be held account uh, to account for it. And, um, you know, she's ridden this wave of feminism and, and being a woman and uh, it's going to come back to bite her because she's responsible and she's going to need to take responsibility for her actions. Yeah, that, that's right. And she, she'll be found on the wrong side of history. Speaking of being on the wrong side of history and creating terrible consequences, um, despite the best efforts of the taxpayer-funded ABC to cover up what's, what is the biggest medical scandal of our time, Channel 7 is doing an in-depth report on the harming of children through experimental LGBTIQA plus gender conversion therapies. Take a look at this. I was 15 when I had my breast surgically removed. It's the most controversial story this year. Children are being told they should change from boy to girl or girl to boy from as young as 12 years old. Thousands of kids are doing it and regretting it. I've gone through a medical catastrophe. And parents are being kept in the dark. I believe our children are being lied to. Is a generation being brainwashed? It's a medical scandal. But it's confused kids that are paying the price. I was just looking for a sense of belonging. New Spotlight, Sunday on 7 and 7 Plus. Now, Kiralee, I was um, incredibly um, encouraged when I saw that clip drop uh, this week. Uh, you and I talked a few weeks ago about the ABC Four Corners program, which was running a protection racket, protecting the clinics that were doing uh, those unspeakable things to girls like Chloe Cole, the first uh, girl in that clip. Now, the fact that the media are finally getting onto this uh, and examining it with some degree of criticalness, um, I suppose, you know, it's better late than never, isn't it? It is. And, you know, my first thought was at last. <laughs> I'm, I'm so thankful that this is going to be on mainstream TV. It's going to be a really hard watch, Lyle. Um, Jude Hunter, who appeared in that clip, she's a mother with a girl who transitioned and is suffering incredibly horrific consequences as a, as a result of going on to cross-sex hormones. Dr Dylan Wilson was also in that clip. He's written an open letter about a warning about the uh, irreversible nature of puberty blockers. It's going to be really hard, really emotional to watch this stories, but it is 
so necessary that people see the reality of what the transgender industry is doing to people, the cost that is involved, and what better timing with Alex Greenwich's bill being tabled uh, to bring this debate forward so that we can really examine and debate the issues that surround this because young people's lives are really at stake here and that's what we've got to remember. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. I mean, it's quite stunning the fact that Channel 7 are taking this approach and good on them, but the reality is that Alex Greenwich's bill, which is modelled on the Victorian Change and Suppression Act, which Daniel Andrews Labor uh, passed with the support of the Liberals, the Liberals took the same policy of supporting that bill to last year's election, that would actually put in jail a parent who tried to stop a daughter like Chloe Cole from going off to a gender clinic as a 15-year-old to have a breast cut off. That's how serious this is, and yet our politicians sit by and preside over these laws. Uh, finally, Channel 7's shining a light on it. They should hang their heads in shame, and Alex Greenwich should be laughed out of the New... He should be driven out of the New South Wales Parliament for even suggesting laws which uh, subject children to the sorts of treatments that we're going to be seeing on Channel 7 on Sunday night. Sorry, that's a little bit of a... Uh, I feel... <laughs> I know you share my concerns, but it's got to be well said. said. Well said. <laughs> uh, it does, it does. Kiralee, um, uh, we've talked about uh, uh, my legal case last week on, on the show uh, against the two drag queens. Uh, it's over and I'm um, very thankful for that uh, with the case dismissed against me having been sued, uh, three-year process, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But of course, Kiralee, we've talked about your legal case, which is just beginning. Uh, you're, you've been or uh, heading into the New South Wales uh, Tribunal. Where, where's all that up to now? Well, uh, actually, as we speak, uh, my lawyers are on a mention uh, at NCAT uh, for the first vilification case. Um, So that all kicks off today for me. And, uh, you know, over the coming weeks, there'll be another mention in NCAT and then uh, later on in September. Uh, I will be in a local court uh, defending myself against an application for an apprehended violence order that, uh, you know, is all about the words that I've said and reposting uh, publicly available information online. And uh, that's now being called violence. So it's going to be a very interesting case. Yeah. So let's just be really clear about this. When you talk about being up on vilification charges, vilification uh, with NCAT, the New South Wales Civil and Administrative Tribunal, my case was in the Queensland Civil and Administrative Tribunal. Tribunal. These are sort of quasi-kangaroo courts that um, are weaponised because of flawed anti-free speech laws. Your vilification is what's called misgendering, but but in reality, you're just talking biological truth, aren't you? That's correct, Lyle. So uh, misgendering uh, means we can't correctly sex a person. And uh, again, it's going to be a very interesting case to see what uh, what the benchmark will be for what they determine is vilification and what is actual truth speech. Yeah. And of course, the idea, well, f- firstly, that you would um, be on charges for misgendering, for calling uh, a man who is pretending to be a woman, uh, a man, which he is, uh, no one should be dragged into a court process because of that. And of course, no one should go up on apprehended violence orders as you are. Uh, this is a grave injustice. Um, we featured Oliver Anthony's uh, song, um, Richmond, North of Richmond, uh, recently on this show. And uh, the final line or one of the lines in the song is, uh, it's a damn shame what the world has gotten to. And that's all I can think of when I think of um, the sort of charges you're up against. Um, Kiralee, um, sorry, I'm raving on a lot today, but uh, I'm really grateful that you've accepted our, our invitation to speak at uh, the Family First National Conference tomorrow here in Sydney. Um, give our audience the elevator version 
version of what you're going to be telling uh, the conference tomorrow? Yep, look, gender ideology relies on lies. Lying is unkind, it is cruel. And, uh, you know, the truth, it's the truth that will set us free, Lyle. It's the truth that will set these young people who are uh, free because they're believing lies. Uh, We need to get alongside them and encourage them to embrace who they are. if they want to be gender non-conforming, that's fine, but do not medicalise children on this yeah. pathway and let's all stand in the truth and have courage in the truth because uh, me as a Christian, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and so I can stand firm in that and we will win. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to hear what you have to say tomorrow. There's so much in this space to unpack. And of course, people can go to the ADH TV website or download the app and and watch uh, your talk along with others on the live stream. Kiralee, thanks again for being with us today. We look forward to catching up again next week. Great. Thanks for having me, Lyle. Well, pro-life marches to show public dissent to our society's practice of killing unwanted babies and not supporting their mothers is growing around the nation. Jodie Pickard is the organiser of the very successful Love Adelaide March and later this month is organising one here in Sydney. She joins me now. Jodie, welcome to the program. Thank you, Lyle. Thank you for having me. Jodie, um, tell our audience about how Love Adelaide got up and going and uh, why you're now branching out here into Sydney. Well, it started off as a very small little thing uh, that I started uh, when I came back from a trip from America and I saw what some of the US uh, states were doing and they were doing a lot of little prayer walks. And that's actually how it just started as a, an, a prayer walk around our abortion clinic here in Adelaide. And uh, But very quickly that became illegal, as you uh, are well aware. And at the same time, South Australia was fighting our abortion up to birth bill Uh, in 2020, it started at the end of uh, 2019. And so our first walk for life in the city uh, was in 2020. And uh, we found that there was a lot of people who were not okay with abortion up to birth. So it started with uh, really the rally around that uh, legislation and it's gone from there. Yeah, well done. Uh, I mean, very quickly, uh, the Love Adelaide uh, walk uh, has become one of the largest ones in the country. Of course, we've had big ones in Melbourne for many years since they legalised abortion to birth back in 2008. And of course, the Brisbane one, which I've attended many times, is also quite large. Um, what, What sort of numbers have you been getting in recent years? Well, the largest was uh, right before the termination of pregnancy bill was uh, passed and we had 5,000 at that walk and that was a terrible day. Everyone came out in the rain. Uh, we would have had well over that if the weather had have been kind to us. Uh, but we averaged around uh, three and a half to 4,000 uh, most years and we're building up again. After um, the bill passed, we were so devastated and all the states that have experienced this understand how we feel when uh, our government has not listened and we know that the majority of the community not just the faith communities but the general population did not want these laws passed and so when that's happened there's been quite a you know a devastation a a grief almost uh, and our numbers went down but we're building up again, and I think seeing the overturn of Roe v. Wade in America um, has definitely brought attention, uh, and also people are realising that maybe this is not a lost cause, that there is a chance that in, in time, if we continue on the path of actually engaging our parliament and putting good people into um, 
into these positions that we can too overturn these laws. Yeah, you're absolutely right there, Jodie. And that's why it's so important this public witness, this public dissent, as I call it, is maintained. And uh, I agree with you, it's not a lost cause. We're seeing incredible strides forward. And and we know that uh, the polling shows uh, the average Australian is deeply uncomfortable with the idea of late-term abortion. And I think it's only a matter of time before they can join the dots and work their way back. But um, Jodie, um, you're branching into, into Sydney now. Um, what, what sort of prompted that? And and um, what, what sort of support have you got uh, for holding a march here in Sydney, uh, I think on the 23rd of September? Well, it started because there is a group, there's been, I think, a desire for New South Wales to have an event. Uh, when it was the 2019, uh, their bill going through, there was a, a huge number of people that came out, I think 15,000 one night in Martin Place and another eight to 10,000, I think, in Hyde Park. Uh, just after that, and and that was snap rallies. So there is a lot of people in New South Wales who deeply care about the issue of life. And since then, no one had taken it up as another event. So I think there'd been a few organisations that had maybe thought about it, tried maybe, but nothing had really eventuated. So a group approached us and asking for help. They'd seen what we were doing and were asking, you know, how how do you run an event like this? So we started giving them some um, tips and then one thing led to another and uh, we've now, Love Adelaide has officially become Love Australia yep. and we've got Love Adelaide and Love Sydney now. Um, so we, we've been very intentional on the way that we go about these events. They're family friendly. I really want everyone to understand that. Uh, there's a time and a place for speaking about uh, the procedures and the really graphic side of what this is, and that's to an adult audience. And in fact, I encourage everyone uh, to go and look up what this is. Uh, yeah. This is an adult audience that is listening to this program. So I would YouTube Dr. Levitino, abortion procedures, first, second, and third trimester. Because if you haven't actually looked to see what this is, we've legalised this in our country, and we need to know exactly what these procedures are. Uh, we need to come from a position of education. But at the walk, it is family friendly. Uh, we won't be, you won't be seeing anything graphic. There'll be no pictures. Uh, it's a ticketed event. Um, so we actually encourage everyone to go onto the website, which is lovesydney.org.au and get a free ticket. Uh, and basically this helps us to make sure that the event is safe. If anyone uh, came along with signs that were really graphic or anything like that, um, that we, we actually will take them away. So we need to be friendly for all the families. Uh, that's fantastic, Jody. So that's Love Sydney and uh, Love Adelaide uh, with the two websites that people can go to. Uh, so this is a national audience, obviously, and I encourage everyone to do that. It's, it's fantastic, Jody, to see uh, these marches now in every state. I know there's a big one in Perth. Um, uh, obviously, I mentioned Melbourne and Brisbane. Now we've got Sydney and Adelaide covered. Uh, I'm sure there's things that happen in uh, Tasmania as well. It's so important. Uh, I've been to a number of these marches. I just encourage everyone to get out and uh, to continue to show that uh, there is opposition to the killing of unborn babies and the lack of support for their mothers. Uh, Jodie Pickard, thank you so much for sharing that today. And we'll look forward to talking to you again uh, in the future about uh, how these marches are going. I really appreciate it, Lyle. Can I just quickly finish with for anyone who has actually been 
uh, triggered by anything we're mm. saying, that there is help, but please don't go this alone. Please uh, know that pregnancyhelpaustralia.org.au um, is the place to go to it, uh, free counselling for anyone who's in a crisis, unplanned pregnancy, but also for anyone who's been hurt by abortion. We know that there's many people who are hurt and we want to help you to uh, find healing because there is healing available. Couldn't agree with that more, Jody. Well said. Thank you so much. Uh, all the best uh, on the 23rd of September. Thank you, Lyle. Well, Bernie Finn is a former Liberal member of the Victorian Parliament where he served for 23 years before being expelled by the Liberals for his pro-life and pro-family views. He recently joined us here at Family First and has been endorsed as the lead Senate candidate for Victoria at the federal election, which, in my opinion, could be as early as next year. We'll wait and see. To discuss what increasingly looks like the failed state of Victoria, Bernie joins me now. Bernie, uh, thanks for being with us. Um, there was a by-election at the weekend in Melbourne for the northeastern, uh, out of northeastern seat of Warrandyte. Uh, Labor didn't feel a, feel a candidate, and of course, the Liberals' Nicole Werner won very easily. But by looking yes. at John Pesciuto's social media, you'd think he would have won, he'd won a general election, such was the triumphalism. Uh, the Liberals' problems are far from over, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. That, that, is, that is true, Lyle. I mean, the fact of the matter is that uh, John Pesciuto was celebrating so heartily uh, after the uh, the victory uh, on Saturday, because his leadership to this point is, has not had too many high points, uh, you know he he's just gone from disaster to disaster. Yeah. Uh, so w when he when he had a win, it was like a premiership. Yeah, he, he made <laughs> so the he certainly made the most of it. Um, Bernie, um, I guess it's probably good just to analyse. I guess the performance of of our team. You and I were both out there handing out yes. how to vote cards for our, our wonderful candidate Richard Griffith Jones. Um, yeah, great man. Yeah, great, great guy. Two point eight percent. How mm. do you see that? You know, for a minor party like ours, that's in a bit of a rebuilding phase. Look, I think that, that that's a great start. It really is a very, very good uh, um, starting point to, uh, to, to to spring from. Uh, I'm uh, I'm was very very heartened by it, in fact, mm. because uh, uh, a new party, as we know, um, has some difficulties uh, uh, reaching out to people and, and and being known. But one when I was getting around the electorate and I was out there quite a few times uh, during the campaign, I was quite quite impressed by uh, the number of times that uh, people actually recognised. Uh, the name Family First and what Family First stood for. Uh, so you know, I'm I'm quite um, quite buoyed by uh, by the result. And uh, Richard did a great job. Uh, did, didn't have uh, huge resources, but did a great job yeah. uh, in, um, in in a very short period of time. And uh, you know, I think uh, given given a bit more time, uh, and you know, we could have a, a federal election, as you say, as early as uh, as maybe even April, May next year. Um, Given a bit more time, uh, we we can really um, we can really boost that that number. I'm sure. I, I think that's right, and I, th I think we've got to keep in mind too. There were 12 candidates in that by-election. That's an unusually yep. large field, and a disproportionate number of those were conservative people. So uh, to hold up, you know, close to that three percent is is a, is a good result. And uh, August well and, for and your Richard, Richard, was, Richard was placed halfway on the ticket, so right. you know there was no there was no uh, jump out factor there. Yeah. Uh, so you know we, you know he he did well. He did well. Did, I, I did, was I very pleased. Did very well, and. Um, 
I'm so proud of the, the you know, more than 50 people who came out to volunteer and hand out how to vote cards. Uh, they staffed pre-poll and uh, we had all yep. 11 booths covered on election day. So that's a great effort for a small party. Uh, speaking of Tremendous John Pesuto's problems, Bernie, um, he and his Liberal colleagues have been slapped with a defamation lawsuit from uh, the British women's rights advocate, Kelly Jane Keane, after they smeared her and Moira Deeming as Nazis. Um, there's a fuss over who will pay the legal bills for Pesuto and his colleagues. Uh, how do you see this mm. playing out? Well, it's very, very interesting because up until now, nobody seemed to care. Everybody everybody was, was happy for John Pesuto to, to pay his own legal fees. Mm. All of a sudden, because these other three have been sued, oh, it's, it's, it's a party responsibility. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's interesting to see uh, the, the attitude of these people uh, toward their own leader. You know, they, they were prepared to, um, to let him sink. But because these other three are involved, all of a sudden it's a, it's a party responsibility. Uh, so uh, I, I think that's a fair indication of where the Liberal Party is in Victoria at the moment. Uh, you, you wouldn't turn your back on any of them. Uh, yeah. it, 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 re it really is a, a, it's a diabolical situation. You know, that even yesterday, you know, they, 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 they wanted to hold a meeting at one o'clock. Uh, a meeting was called apparently at 10.30 in the morning uh, for one o'clock. And then at twelve thirty, it was it was cancelled, uh, and this was to discuss presumably um, the, the 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 ongoing problems with the the finances uh, to to pay for the legal fund. Uh, so you know what what will happen next is anybody's guess. Mm. Uh, but uh, one one thing we can be absolutely sure with um, uh, Nicole uh, Werner being elected is there there is another solid conservative. Uh, in uh, in the Victorian Parliament, and uh, that is a good thing. And the Liberal Party in Victoria needs far far more. Nicole Werner's and far, far less John Pursuto's and James Newbury's. That's Could, for sure. Couldn't agree with that more, Bernie. And uh, let's just hope that Nicole doesn't get the, the more redeeming treatment by yeah. John Pursuto and his thugs. And uh, I really hope these women who are suing uh, John Pursuto and his colleagues uh, take them to the cleaners because I think the Absolutely. idea of crying Nazi, Nazi, Nazi every yeah. time you can't put up an argument and try and smear someone is just despicable. Bernie, um, uh, it's not just on the Liberal side of politics in Victoria where there's big problems and financial problems. Victoria's debt has just hit something like, I think, $260 billion is what I read mm. the other day. It's a massive amount of money. Daniel Andrews has added to this by cancelling the Commonwealth Games, a $380 million cancellation fee. Um, the old adage is true, isn't it, that uh, Labor just can't manage money? Well, it's, it's true, Lyle. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is that um, uh, in the last six months, the already appalling debt uh, burden that Victorians are suffering is blown out by another $55 billion. Now, $55,000 million, uh, that, that is a horrifying number. You know, I, I remember going back to the days and I was a, a member of the Kennett government and I, and I um, recall the, the really difficult days we had bringing back the, um, uh, the debt that uh, the Joan Kerner had left us. Uh, but that's nothing. That is, that is a drop in the ocean compared to, uh, to what the next government, uh, whenever that might be, is going to face after what... Um, what Daniel Andrews uh, uh, leaves us. You know, I, I, I recall very, very well on the night of the, the 2014 election as Andrews was giving his victory speech, I, I said um, uh, to a couple of people I was watching it with, I said, uh, you know, by the time these characters finish, um, they are going to make the, the Kerner and Kane regimes look like the good old days. Wow. And I, I don't think I don't think I've ever said anything that was so right in all my life. Mm. I wish it wasn't. I wish it wasn't. But you know, Victoria is a basket case, uh, and it's only a matter of time. You know, already the infrastructure is starting to, to to fall by the wayside. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we are going down a very, very, very sad path. And, and unfortunately, uh, as I say, there's no opposition. So the government, you know, Andrews just does whatever he likes whenever he wants to. Yeah, it's quite quite frightening. Um, it talk, is. Talking about being on dangerous paths, um, we're off to the polls uh, for a referendum on October 14. Mm. Um, now, you're a big AFL fan. Do you reckon the AFL grand final, which is two weeks before the October 14 referendum, do you think the, um, the uh, powers that be in the AFL will try and use that wonderful event to sway public opinion in favour of the Yes campaign? I have absolutely no doubt about that at all. The AFL is as woke as all get out, as is, as is the NRL. As, I mean, but basically, there's a whole variety of sporting codes that have been bought off uh, on this particular issue, and they will be pushing it all very hard uh, over the next uh, five or, or six weeks. Um, but certainly that grand final weekend, the, the AFL... Uh, grand final and then the NRL grand final, I think it's the following weekend, uh, they uh, they will be using those both uh, to push this uh, this appalling referendum, this 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 divisive and racist uh, proposal for a voice. Uh, they'll, they'll be using that uh, at every opportunity and as hard as they possibly can. Mm. Yeah, well, they, they certainly did the same during the 2017 same-sex marriage plebiscite, which was the last national poll we had. Um, and uh, as you say, I'm sure they'll try it again this time. Bernie Finn, really appreciate your insights. Uh, look forward to chatting to you again sometime soon uh, here on ADH TV. Great to be here, Lyle. Thanks for that. Uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Well, Alexandra Marshall is a fellow host here at ADH TV, and uh, she hosts the Spectator Australia TV show. She's also the editor of the Spectator's online flat white website, which boasts some of Australia's most vigorous debate. Ellie, it's great to finally have you here on my show. Uh, you recently wrote for Spectator Flat White website a piece that challenges the long-held evolutionary belief that humans originated in Africa. And you did this out of um, more than just the scientific curiosity, you said it had implications as to how this voice agenda was being prosecuted. Well, thank you for that wonderful little promo there, <laughs> Lyle. I feel like this is revenge for all the times I've made you sit in on my show. Now, look, this was a very interesting story. Now, the out of Africa idea or scientific theory is one of the cornerstones of evolutionary biology. Now, this is interesting in the fact that we all want to know where we come from and from a scientific perspective, it's largely academic. But recently we have seen this era where scientific theories are being heavily politicised and misused for political gain. Now, in that environment, and if you're looking for an example, you can look to the climate change idea, where if you challenge climate change, you're not questioning the science of climate climate, you are challenging the political structures and the trillions of dollars of money that fall behind it. Well, this is a similar idea. So with the out of Africa model, that kind of builds into the migration periods of the first peoples in various nations, and that is used increasingly to give political power to First Nations people. So if the out of Africa theory is wrong, and indeed if other migration periods are wrong, well, that could undo some of this politicised ideology where we're basing power on race and how long your ancestors have been somewhere rather than whether or not you are a citizen. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, you, you said that the rise of neo-Marxist identity politics has dangerously placed weight on what we call first peoples, which is ultimately predicated on the patterns of human migration that you're talking about. So how's this been weaponized in the voice referendum that we're about to uh, go into this six-week campaign up to October 14? 
Well, the first thing you need to look at is to decide whether or not it's happening. And you may have heard the, like when I was a child, Aboriginal Australians had been here for around 40,000 years. And that was the assumption for a long period of time. And that is based upon fossil testing, which is relatively reliable. Well, in recent years, you would have heard the 50,000 years, then 60,000 years, then 65,000 years. And I think someone said the other day with the voice campaign, 120,000 years. Now, this matters because you have to walk across land bridges in Indonesia and Papua New Guinea to get to Australia. Yeah. So if things have, if people haven't been there for more than 50,000 years, they're not in Australia. That's just a fact of life. And this one figure was taken from, uh, uh, it was a disputed figure taken from a Northern Territory site. Now that was latched onto by activists suggesting that they place value in these historical dating figures rather than showing an interest in the science. Now, this matters as far as the voice referendum goes because they're using the mythology of First Nations people, mm. this idea of occupation before anybody else and how long you've been there, as justification to lock other Australians out of land yeah. and to start reparations. Yeah, look, it is quite absurd. Um, apart from the difficulty of proving all this and, and the fact that even theories like the out of Africa one are being challenged really does undercut the political power that uh, is sought to be gained from these ideas. Um, Jeffrey Blaney, who, who I think is our greatest uh, living historian and probably one of it, probably our greatest historian ever, uh, he wrote a terrific piece in the Weekend Australian uh, at the weekend uh, saying how absurd holding historical grievance is. And uh, he raised the issue, you know, should, should the British seek reparations, for instance, for the Norman Conquest a thousand years ago? Well, I'm still waiting for the uh, the Romans and the Vikings to yeah. pay up for what they've go. gone and done. But no, that's why this I wrote this piece. It's not about proving when someone was here or what the migration patterns were. It was the way in which activists latch onto science and then corrupt scientific investigation for their own purposes. And we can't have a trust the science kind of uh, civilization if our science is beholden to political powers. Yeah, exactly right. Um, you mentioned in your piece um, uh, that the Chinese communists and it's quite ironic that there's a couple of communists right at the heart, self-declared communists. This is not hyperbole. Thomas Mayo and Teela Reid at the heart of the voice referendum and, um, and the, the Yes campaign. But you said the Chinese are true exemplars of communist ideology or Marxist ideology with the regime using fossil remains and migration patterns to justify racial discrimination and the supremacy of the Han over other groups. Now, now of course, this is Orwell's animal farm <laughs> and the idea that some animals are more equal than others. Um, uh, you wouldn't expect anything else from Beijing. But um, it's quite extraordinary that we're heading down this path uh, by putting race into our constitution here in Australia. Well, that, I mean, it's a long time since I wrote the article, but there was a whole investigation into these fossil remains of blue-eyed, blonde-haired uh, people that were found buried in the desert up near Mongolia. Now, they were the first original inhabitants of Mongolia and they were Europeans from the steppes. <laughs> and so what that was being suppressed and all this research was being hidden away and there was a whole stack of bizarre propaganda about the race of these fossils and because they were trying to show that Han people were the only owners of the land. Now, that kind of interference in archaeology is what I was trying to point out was happening here in Australia and other things. But yeah, with the voice, we shouldn't even 
be worried about people's race. The fact that we are having so many conversations about the race of Australians is what worries me because we are all Australian citizens. We should all be equal and there should be no mention of race in our constitution. Well, well, that's exactly right. Um, we're all, uh, in my view, all God's creatures. Uh, we've all originated from the one uh, human race, the one human family, and people move about different parts of the earth as history shows, and uh, you shouldn't claim political power necessarily based on ancestry or race, and uh, this is a dangerous path we're heading down. Um, Ellie, um, you've brought a little friend in today. This is uh, sort of off topic a bit, but uh, a, a really important cause nonetheless. Tell us about it. I just wanted to do a really quick little shout out to the little legacy people that are running around and go and get your little bears and support them. It's 100 years, it's 1923 to 2023, so uh, it's a great cause. Don't support all the rubbish activist causes, support legacy and buy a little adorable bear. What a great way to finish. Ellie, thanks so much for joining us today uh, on The Lyle Shelton Show. Thank you for having me, Lyle. Well, that's all we have time for today. Don't forget the Family First National Conference in Sydney tomorrow. As I mentioned at the top of the show, you can still get tickets until this evening. Familyfirstparty.org.au is where you can go. Uh, if you can't make it to the conference, uh, it will be live streamed right here on ADH TV. Go to the website or download the app. Uh, we'd love for you to be watching online if you can't make it. Well, thanks again for your company. Until next week, keep speaking up.